The following talk was given at Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Please visit our website at milehighchurch.org. Really grateful this morning to be continuing a series uh, called Love Like That, how the profound power of love can renew your life. And last week we asked the question, who taught you about love? And I shared about it in a personal sense, but today I want to address that question from a universal sense. Who are our great teachers of a universal love? And the first individuals I go to are those great champions of nonviolence. I think of Mohandas Gandhi, I think of Martin Luther King Jr., and all of these powerful champions who had the ability, even in the face of injustice, to take the moral high ground and to embody a strong and powerful love that changed the world. You know, if you were to ask me the quality I admire most about any person, any leader, any parent, any individual, it would have to do with that individual's ability to take whatever comes at them and to transform it into love. Like these great champions of nonviolence did, they used a kind of soul force that when someone was hating them, someone was persecuting them, they could take that hate, that persecution, and transcend it, transform it, and respond with a powerful love. Sometimes they do this when hate is directed at them. Sometimes it involves stepping into a situation where they can't see God, but they're called to be a presence for God, where they can't see love and connection and brother and sisterhood, but they show up to be a presence for it. This is transformational living. I have a mantra I like to use for myself in my own life. It goes like this. I experience fear but I practice love. I experience anger, but I practice love. I experience hurt, but I practice love. It's been a good mantra for this week, especially. And if you choose, and just invite you to repeat after me. I experience fear, but I practice love. I experience anger, but I practice love. I experience hurt, but I practice love. To truly live a spiritual life is not to deny negative experiences, but is to be able to transmute them and transform them in a way that we only respond with that highest love. And these great teachers of nonviolence, they teach us that love isn't just warm and snuggly and fuzzy and sweet. It's bold. It's courageous. It's the most transformational force that there is. It is through this transformational force of love that British colonial rule was ended in South Africa and in India. It is through this powerful love that in the late 50s and 1960s, the American conscience was expanded, leading to greater civil rights in our country. And it is through this love 
that we will confront and transform this resurgence of gun violence that we see in this country. It is through the power of love that we can build bridges and get people, especially our public officials, talking to each other again and not demonizing and blaming one another. It is through the power of this love that we can create a net that anyone who might be tempted to become so demented to perform violence to themselves or others can perhaps be kept from falling through the cracks to do such dastardly deeds. That's how powerful love is. And it belongs to you. It belongs to me. It is universal and for all of us. Now, every great teacher of nonviolence has the heart of their teaching in the ministry of Jesus. Gandhi, King, all of them inspired by the teachings of Jesus. And I know in our church, we don't necessarily uh, follow the religion about Jesus to a T, but I would say we are all about the religion of Jesus, of what Jesus practiced, of what Jesus taught. And it's kind of Jesus week here at Mile High Church. Today's Palm Sunday. Dr. Barry is put together with our music team an incredible Good Friday service, Friday at 7 p.m., and Dr. Michelle will be speaking on Arise Transformed on Easter Sunday. Uh, The following week, I'm actually going to be teaching a course called The Mystical Jesus online Tuesdays, in person on Thursdays, uh, beginning the 6th and the 8th. And so if you find what I'm about to say interesting, consider signing up for that class. And, And Jesus has an incredible teaching about universal love. And how he teaches it to me is even more profound because Jesus teaches universal love by challenging the common sense. Jesus teaches universal love by challenging our common sense and the common sense of the people at at the time. He says, if a shepherd had a hundred sheep and lost one, what should he do? Well, common sense says take care of the 99 and count your losses. Universal love says you do everything in your power to get that sheep back to the flock. This is expanded in Jesus' story of the prodigal son, where there's a good son, a dutiful son, a committed son that always stays close with his father. And then there's a younger son who decides to take his inheritance and he blows it all and he sleeps with the pigs and he brings himself to to throw himself at the mercy of his father and his father with tears in his eyes runs out and embraces his youngest son and the older son is watching this and it pisses him off. And this is where the common sense is challenged because it would piss me off too. It would make me angry to see that. And so the older son confronts his father and the father shares, I love you so much, but I can't tell you how amazing it is to return my son to our family. This is the power of Jesus. He he makes the laws of heaven simple, but tries to demonstrate how incredibly difficult they are to apply. He speaks with rabbis who follow hundreds and hundreds of laws and Jesus narrows them down to two that we can put into one. Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. 
easy to understand philosophically, not so easy to apply, right? Not so easy to apply to these challenging situations that come before us. Perhaps Jesus' greatest parable, my favorite, and I think one of the greatest expressions in all of literature is the parable of the laborers in the vineyard. And there's a master and he gets the foreman to go and hire some uh, individuals to work in the vineyard. And he says, offer them a denarius, offer them some, some money at the end of the day. And the foreman hires some people early in the morning and a couple hours later hires some more. And a couple hours later hires some more. And just before the day is done, hires some more. And when the day is complete, the master asks the foreman to line everyone up, beginning with those who started work last. And the people in the back of the line who started working first see that the master is giving everyone a denarius, the same amount they were promised. And guess what? They're pissed off. I would be too. You know, some people look at this parable and say, dude, this means Jesus was a socialist. No. <laughs> Not to me. Uh, and the, the people in the, in the last of the line, they, they, they confront the master and say, we were working so much longer. This is so unfair. And it is unfair, right? But the master says to them, did, did I not pay you what I promised you? Do I not have the right to spend my money however I choose? And so the powerful lesson is that it doesn't always make sense in terms of fairness or the common sense, but it makes sense when we look at the parable as a lesson about universal love. It doesn't matter when you show up to the vineyard. It doesn't matter when you show up to the kingdom, to spiritual living. That love of the Spirit is all yours. It's the gift for some of us to have been there longer, but the gift is same for us all. One of the biggest mistakes I think we make when interpreting Jesus' teachings is we take them too literally. When Jesus is really trying to challenge us to know that, that amount that you love right now, you can love even greater. You know, what does Jesus say? He says, if your right eye offends you, pluck it out. If your right arm should cause you to stumble, tear it off. You know, I've been a minister about 16 years and I've yet to give that advice to anyone. <laughs> but the, the message is clear. Know that there's always greater love to step into. Turn the other cheek. Forgive not seven times, but seven times 70. If someone asks you for your shirt, give them your coat also. Powerful statements that say, as much as you think that you have loved, there is more to understand. There's even more love to give in our lives. And we can apply this to our own lives. The law of common sense versus the law of love. I think of incredible mothers that I know who struggle with children who have addiction. And they do everything they can to help them get themselves help, but it's not working. And so common sense is cut them off. Stop enabling them. Let them hit rock bottom. But sometimes love, right, it says something different. Who am I to question a mother's love? I think of the spouse who's been so deeply betrayed by their partner that the answer seems clear. Kick him out. Say, I still love you. I forgive you. But just from way over here, okay? Sometimes that's the common sense answer. But sometimes love says something different. And who are we to question 
or challenge. And the central message, and if you get anything from my message today, this is what I want you to hear. There is always something love can do. There is always something love can do. It doesn't matter how downtrodden you may feel, how fractured the relationship, how destitute, how helpless, how dark things may seem. There is always something love can do. Think about your relationships. Think about your way of working in the world. Think about what's going on in our communities right now. There is always something love can do. We are heartbroken because of this shooting in Boulder and these shootings across the country that we've been experiencing. And it's so easy to just feel hurt and helpless. It's so easy to build up that defense mechanism of apathy, that process of trying not to care and turn our attention. And, and, and the first thing that we have to do as courageous spiritual beings is stay courageously conscious to recognize how unacceptable mass violence or any violence is, to recognize the, the beautiful lives in Atlanta and Virginia Beach and Boulder that have been taken from us, unfinished. And all of the love and the life that they committed to, taken from us in the most imaginably cruel kind of way. It takes a very spiritual person to stay courageously conscious to how unacceptable and how painful that is. The next step, which is even harder for me sometimes, is to take that consciousness, that awareness of the hurt, and to bring it into your faith, to affirm your belief in divinity, to affirm your hope in the human spirit and our ability to bring it to life and to form in greater and grander ways, living together in harmony as opposed to in disunity. It's hard to take that knowledge and to bring it to that place of possibility and to be willing to transfigure it, to transmute it into love. But that's where we're called into action. What can I do in response to something of such carnage and carelessness? There is something we can do. For many of us, the, the call is to love through social action. I remember being present in my community in Southern California in 2011 where there was a mass shooting and it was up to me to help create a, a grief group for the community. And I got so many calls about why this had happened. You know, the majority were about the, the struggles with gun violence and the failure of civic leaders to do something about it. Then there were the calls that said, I hope that you're going to be talking about mental illness and how the system fails people. Then there were calls uh, to say, I hope you're going to address PTSD among veterans and how it's mistreated. Uh, the, the gentleman who had done the shooting was a veteran. I hope you're going to be addressing father's rights and family law and the issues that show up there and on and on. And I, I was listening to this and eventually all I could say is you're absolutely right. <laughs> you're absolutely right. Whatever that thing that calls to you in terms of social action, do it. Do it with clarity, but do it with love. There is no need to tear people down to lift up our 
point of view. And we can appeal not to the worst, but to the best of one another to deal and address these. For others of us, we may not be called to social action that way. We may just be called to be a presence, to be a prayerful consciousness. That's okay. To love whoever's around us to be loved. I loved how Alan Turing said it. He said, we can only see a short distance ahead, but we can see plenty there that needs to be done. Once again, we can only see a short distance ahead, but we can see plenty there that needs to be done. Never underestimate what love can do and by choosing it to bring it to your life, not just to the ones that you love, but strangers, people around you. Who knows the difference that your love might make in keeping someone from doing something so atrocious in the future. That's how powerful love can be. Jesus, in his ministry, gives a simple direction on how to live from a place of universal love. He tells us quite clearly, you must be born again. You must be born again. And Jesus had a physical birth through Mary, and yet I would argue he also has a spiritual birth when he's baptized by John. It's a powerful experience. And for me, just like for Jesus, his story is is our story. Each of us has a physical birth. And yet each of us can probably identify times where we had a a baptizing type experience, a spiritual awakening. Jesus is in conversation with Nicodemus, one of the great philosophers of the age. And Nicodemus asked Jesus, how do I enter into the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus answers, you must be born again. What do you mean? What am I supposed to do? Nicodemus replies, crawl back into my mother's womb? Ew. No, Jesus says, you must be reborn of the spirit. And so for me, being born again doesn't mean it isn't about salvation from damnation. It's not about applying and signing up to being a member of that religion about Jesus, which again, I respect incredibly, but I'm about the religion of Jesus and what he was teaching. It means building an awareness of eternal life, building an awareness that there is an essence of universal love, no matter what we might be seeing taking place around us. And when we are born in an awareness of that love, it's aware of us in such a way that it guides us, it uplifts us, it moves us to express it in a more profound and meaningful way. Where Jesus is baptized is probably my favorite part of the Bible. It's a short but powerful scene. Matthew chapter 3. When Jesus was baptized, he immediately went up out of the water And the heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming upon him. And behold, a voice from heaven which said, That is my beloved Son with whom I am pleased. And I think we misunderstand that story when we see it just as the story of Jesus. We understand its true meaning when we realize it's the story of all of us. That when you or I have that experience of spiritual rebirth, the voice from heaven in its own way speaks to us. You are my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. There is nothing you have to do to receive this love. 
There is no one you need to become to receive this love. It is yours, and we are reunited like a parent separated from a child, come back together again in that perfect love. It's not my intention to create a revival here this morning, but I don't know about you, but I could use being born again. (laughs) Call me a born again and again and again Christian if you want. I love actually how um, Gabriel Garcia Marquez put it. He said, human beings are not born once and for all on the day their mothers give birth to them, but life obliges them over and over again to give birth to themselves. And so what I'm going to do this morning, I'm going to put my hand on my head and I'm going to say, Holy Spirit, I give you my mind. I'm going to put my hand on my heart and I'm going to say, Holy Spirit, I give you my heart. I'm going to wrap my arms around myself and I'm going to say, Holy Spirit, I give you my soul. I'm going to hold my arms out like this and I'm going to say, Holy Spirit, I give you my whole being. And if you want, you can do that with me. Holy Spirit, I give you my mind. Holy Spirit, I give you my heart. Holy Spirit, I give you my soul. Holy Spirit, I give you my whole being. And when we have an experience of spiritual rebirth, all we have to do is stay transparent. All we have to do is listen for God's way of descending like that dove and speaking in our own heart in the most profound language of love. You are my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. And when we receive that blessing, we receive that sacred charge to be love in the world, to be love in our households, to be love in our workplace, to be love in our communities. It's the sweetest and most challenging thing that there is. I experience fear, but I practice love. I experience anger, but I practice love. I experience hurt, but I practice love. I experience jealousy, low self-esteem, confusion, uncertainty, but I practice Love, I honor the experience, but I live from that greater truth that the divine has placed as the seed of the heart in each and every one of us. Perhaps my favorite saying of Jesus, it's not that often quoted, and I'm paraphrasing. He says that nothing anyone can do to a person can defile them. In other words, no matter how any of us has been victimized, hurt, shamed, our dignity robbed from us or seen that happen around the world, no matter how harmful someone has been, that harm does not define who you are. Jesus goes on, what can defile a person? What can corrupt them? What comes from them? The only thing that can really damage us truly is what comes from us and how we speak and how we show up and how we treat one another and how we find that courageousness to address the issues before us. That is what defines us. It reminds me of something that Ernest Holmes said, and if you ask me to put the whole teaching of the science of mind in Ernest Holmes in one sentence, it would be this one from this thing called you. 
when the time comes that nothing goes forth from you other than that which you would be glad to have returned, then you will have reached your heaven. One more time. When the time comes that nothing goes forth from you other than that which you would be glad to have returned, then you will have reached your heaven. Simple philosophically, more challenging in practice, right? But that's our charge. And as we move into prayer this morning, I know each of us is capable of answering that charge. That it's not as much as how, not as much as much about how long we stay in love. It's when we when we falter. It's how quick we get back. It's not about how much we may struggle, but it's our courage to be willing to struggle to get back to love. It's not about what people tell you you should be doing. It's about how your heart guides you to live from that grand love. And I know when we all joining it together, big change happens because there is always, always something love can do. So moving into a prayerful space this morning, I again just acknowledge all the practitioners here in this room and who are doing prayers online today, just blessing their presence of love in the world. And I bless every practitioner, which is all of us today, for taking a stand for love, for taking a stand for humanity, for taking a stand for creating greater degrees of trust, to have challenging conversations, to help move us forward into a greater way of evolution, a greater way of living at one with that Holy Father, Holy Mother, Holy Spirit. And so I hereby declare and know that any experience, as valid as it is, does not define myself, but that I am indeed defined by that light within, calling for a greater love that heals, that transforms, that inspires, that guides and unfolds each and every heart. We continue to send our love for the spirits that moved on from their physical bodies and for all of those still tied to the hearts of those spirits. We wish them love. We wish them hope. We wish them pride and their love for these individuals and moments of grace on their path of grief ahead. And just especially, I send some love. I know we send mile-high love today to Dr. Michelle, who lost her sister, Noelle, this week. Just blessing Michelle, her mom, Linda, their entire family with our mile-high love, giving them their privacy, but just sending all of our love, uplifting them through this most challenging time for their family. And right here, Wherever we are, however we are, I know that that divine love, that divine love is eternally present. And in this, we find that spirit of eternal life to continue to guide us in this moment and in the steps ahead. And so it is. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Mile High Church Podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. 
If you'd like to make a donation, please visit us at milehighchurch.org. Have a fabulous day.